0: The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Each business is unique and operated individually of others in the same industry. What they have in common is the potential path to success. Welcome to The Second Stage with your hosts, Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. In today's program, we'll address the obstacles that many businesses find on that path to success and discuss what entrepreneurs and their businesses are doing to stay ahead of the curve. Now, here's Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick.
1: Welcome, everybody, to The Second Stage. My God, Jeff, it's been an entire week. Can you imagine that? It feels like we've been kind of uh, just kind of on the go. We're kind of touching lots of different cities, lots of different places, lots of different
2: concepts. Holy moly, what a week. I know. Three time zones for me. I have to admit, I'm a little little run down. I'm a little run down. I'm I'm not feeling my age. I'm feeling, as I told you yesterday, that you know you're a junkie when the the Red Bull uh, or whatever you're ingesting into your body isn't working anymore. Uh, I'm at that phase.
1: I I took 24 hours off. Did I tell you that? after it's uh,
2: amazing when you take 24 hours off just it flushes out of your system and just kind of plug it right back in the arm again
1: yeah that's nice that's nice well you know I, I think the most exciting thing about this week jeff is that we got to visit uh some some of us got to visit uh two of the new relatively newer portfolio companies and it's just unbelievable portfolio partners i apologize um it's just pretty damn neat how uh how how the that EOS process and the financial statement uh, development and so forth, it's just it's neat how fast things change and, and
2: transform. Well, you know it, it is the way I describe eOS is it creates a framework for decision making and just keeps you very focused and eliminates a lot of the clutter, and um, I think the benefits are that you move faster.
1: We move faster, and I think what's neat is it's the, the framework you're talking about. Is that you know, you one is we help obviously on the financial statement side, uh, but EOS, you know, kind of getting to the next two pillars, um, really puts people you know in the right seat and kind of forces the, the, the everybody to understand what that person is doing. And I think you and I are both surprised at some of the seats that got filled with people that we didn't really see you fill in those seats in the beginning, and now it becomes, you know, I don't want to say obvious, but it's
2: kind of an aha. Oh yes, but of course, and that's sure. kind
1: of uh, that's fun stuff. That's fun stuff.
2: So, as you know, Brendan, one of the businesses that uh, I am associated with, I've been encouraging them to take on uh, EOS or something like it. And it's a uh, yeah. You're a non-profit, Jeff. is this a business or a nonprofit? it's uh i'll i'll just I'll not say but it's uh it's something okay. that I think is uh, important for them to undertake because they're they just they they need it you know there's a lot of great stuff going on but uh so what do you so the 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 leader is not yet uh, embraced it because they feel like this is just another thing you know, it's just more on their plate that they got to get done that they don't have time to get stuff done what do you what do you say to somebody like that because I'm sure you've heard it before
1: yeah, I mean, this isn't going to come as a surprise to anybody that's listened to any of, the, any of the previous shows. But it's you know, it's it's if you don't have enough time, you can't afford not to do it because this will free up time. But what's the one thing that we know for sure, Jeff, is that there's a, there's a decent percentage of the entrepreneurs we run into that say. You know, that just decide it's not for them. That 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 they that they can do it without it. And and those in my mind, you know, there are. I'm not saying that that there aren't successful people that don't follow that, but uh, the the vast majority of them still end up on that treadmill doing the same thing week after week, month after month, year after year. And next thing they wake up and they're you know 60 years old complaining about the same thing. Not that 60s old, Jeff. I just want to <laughs> just say you know that, that means that they could have been at it for 30, 35 years type of thing. So yeah, yeah, no, I hear that? you.
2: You buying that? I am. I am buying that. I am definitely buying that. And uh, you know, we've got partner companies that there is a a routine and a cadence and a framework for decision making already embedded in the organization, and they operate fine. But a disproportionate amount of the people that uh, or, or businesses that I would say that about uh, are businesses that. Are stuck on the treadmill, like you said. There, you know what? What do we talk about? And we're one board meeting this week. It was, you know, you've got a problem when every board meeting you show up to, the agenda is the same, the discussion is the same, the topics are the same, the issues are the same, the same. Yeah. The issues the same, and just like, oh boy, here we go, <laughs> here we go. So, and then I think
1: it's also important. Uh, and I realize you and I didn't talk about talking about this, but uh, that's the way I roll. As you know, it's my new theory is just start throwing things out, things that I want to talk about. Keep your mind uh, but, but it's also Go pretty, for it. exactly. But it's also pretty interesting because there are, you know, a lot of businesses out there, maybe ten employees, a couple million bucks or whatever, and they say that they're just too small to consider that. And and, and I just would uh, was you know had the privilege yesterday of sitting and listening to uh, five entrepreneurs give their uh, their business. Uh, Presentations to a, a group I quite frankly hadn't heard of in University Circle called uh, Next Step, and they have you know they have some common th- uh, theories around uh, the financial reporting and, and transparency and so forth. And I, all I can say is that it doesn't matter what size you are, if you've got you know maybe more than five employees, if you've uh, if if you're feeling like you're on that daily treadmill, uh, there are groups around uh, Next Step, the Goldman Sachs 10,000 um, 10, small companies, obviously EO YPO the. Those, you know those players are obviously getting a little bit bigger size companies, but um, th- there's there's help out there, not to mention all the books that we mention every single second of every single broadcast
2: right right so what what do you think about uh, our guest from last week Eric Wagner from uh, Mighty wise media man, you love that passion, don't you?
1: I uh, just love the fact that successful entrepreneurs want to get out there and give back the way the way that eric is uh, it's it's pretty pretty darn neat um, and I think, you know, I think that the, you know, not to give away the whole content from last show, but, but I think that the, there's some, you know, valid points of what to expect when you're when you're trying to access capital. That uh, it really is about getting prepared to access the capital that 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 makes that capital capital available. Good God so that was hard easy for me to get out huh holy smokes <laughs> yeah
2: you all right you all right uh, yeah I, I
1: just cracked the red bull too jeff i have not even like i'm not in it yet either so that's uh oh, that's well
2: you're, you're yeah. obviously not moving as fast as i am so uh yeah. while you're catching up i'll make a comment that i what what i love what he said about our entrepreneurs is, is there's a passion for their purpose there's a higher purpose and that's why they're in the game it's not just about you know um you know compensation and earnings there is an element when we talk to entrepreneurs they want to have that life-changing financial event uh, but they also want to see that their business reaches its potential and sometimes i'll even use the word destiny uh, because people and even the best entrepreneurs think about it in lofty ways like that
1: isn't it amazing if people have a purpose and jeff you think when you and i started and we 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 thought we had a purpose and we thought it was easily uh understood by outsiders uh and then all of a sudden you find that and you and you start you know explaining to uh not only the portfolio partners but our our investors and the people that are you know in our in our you know kind of service providers and it just makes the world a lot easier and quite frankly a lot more fun and and you look back and we joke that you look back every quarter when we do our, our quarterly meetings, and you just, you know, it's pretty neat what can happen in, in 90 days. So that's uh, good stuff.
2: Right. Well, uh, just to remind everybody Eric Wagner, founder and CEO of Mighty Wise, Mighty Wise Academy at mightywisemedia.com. Uh, he. Um, uh, is really an advocate for entrepreneurs and a mentor, and he has a great deal of understanding around accelerators, which is how we found him. And You can certainly l- listen to uh, our last show and uh, learn a little bit more about how accelerators operate and how they can be helpful. We have a great show this week. Our guest is Ray Leach. He is the founder, uh, a founder and the CEO of Jumpstart, Inc., um, and uh, you know they've had a, an enormous impact on employment and entrepreneurship, not only in Northeast Ohio, but in the state of Ohio and the region. And uh, we, we actually have wanted to have Ray on our show for a long time, uh, but he wrote a recent article on LinkedIn, posted on LinkedIn in September. Uh, and it, the title of it is The Question I'm Asked Every Place I Go, and it really talks about – how do we explain the falling numbers of entrepreneurs in the United States and we certainly look forward to to his comments uh just a little bit more about Ray for those of our listeners that that don't know him um you know he has as is a founder uh and the CEO of Jumpstart Uh, uh, And they have generated significant growth outcomes in Northeast Ohio as well as for leading jumpstart partnerships with leaders throughout the U.S. to design and implement programmatic solutions that spark and support entrepreneurial activity to create uh, measurable impact. Uh, Ray began his career. Uh, at IBM before founding and bootstrapping two startup companies. Both were sold to Multigraphics in 1997. In 2000, he founded Capella Investments, an investment and management consulting firm focused on startup IT companies. Ray earned his B.A. from uh, the University of Akron and later taught at MIT Sloan School of Management while earning his MBA as a Sloan Fellow. Ray serves as the board of directors of the National Venture Capital Association and Invent Now. So, you know, Ray is uh, obviously a leader uh, in this region, uh, in the world of entrepreneurship and and just, uh, you know, having him... uh, Tell tell us a little bit more of his insights into that. I think it'll be a great show.
1: it's pretty neat. Um, you know, I think about way way back when Jumpstart started or was kind of getting started, and I was kind of new to the entrepreneurial scene in Cleveland. And um, I, I just I, the, the what has changed in Cleveland, the mentality of of the, of the marketplace for entrepreneurs. You know, it's just radically different than I feel like when I started in '95. And you know, I know that, uh, and and I'm, I'll butcher these numbers because I don't have them, but I think they've invested in you know uh, you know you know I have 60 70 80 i'm sure you'll tell us a number of companies but they've also touched you know so many more and um you know really put kind of cleveland on the map for uh uh, kind of leading uh, this kind of entrepreneurial movement, and I'll tell you, it'd be fun to talk to him about the, you know, the social or purpose capital that we've been, you know, reading and seeing and, you know, and, and quite frankly believing in lately, and how that really drives lots of things. So, you know, really, uh, you know, from a from a from from originally an Ohio perspective and now kind of a national perspective, a leader in this uh, this train of thought.
2: Sure, exactly. Uh, And so with that, we want to remind everybody that we're trying to create a forum or a community of entrepreneurs helping other entrepreneurs. Uh, So participate in the conversation through our blog at evolutioncp.com, or you can email us at the evolutioncp.com. We want to thank our sponsors, McGladry. Uh, They are a leading provider of assurance tax and consulting services focused on small and mid-sized businesses nationwide with more than 6,700 people in 75 U.S u.s. cities uh we're going to take a brief break and be back with our guest ray leach founder and ceo of jumpstart inc thanks for tuning in to the second stage
0: voice america business network the bottom line in business
3: Assurance. Tax. Consulting.
0: Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world global reach is broadcast every thursday at 2 p.m eastern time 11 a.m pacific time on the voice america business channel follow us on twitter at voice america trn get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's voice america trn you are tuned into to the second stage
2: Welcome back to the show, the Second Stage. This is Jeff Cadlick, and I have my partner here, Brendan Anderson. Like any forum, the show will be effective and powerful if folks contribute their experiences and ideas. We invite you to continue the discussion from each, each week's show on our blog, which can be found at evolutioncp.com. You can email us at the Second Stage at evolutioncp.com. Uh, as we had mentioned in our first segment, we have our esteemed guest, Ray Leach, founder and CEO of Jumpstart Inc. Welcome to the
4: show, Ray. Oh, thank you very much. It's great to be here.
1: Hey Ray, I, I, I got to tell you, you know, maybe Jeff and I are just too, uh, too too close to it, drinking too much of the Kool Aid, reading too many of the books. But it, you know, it, it's hard to believe that entrepreneurship is actually falling because you know, obviously, there's there's mu- there's more resources going into the education of entrepreneurs today than there ever has been. Maybe explain how, how in the world is it possible that the uh, that the number of entrepreneurs is falling?
4: Well, I think one of the things that's interesting about the role that I'm in, and I'm involved both in a nonprofit economic development activity with Jumpstart, but also on the for-profit side, is if you take a big step back and you think about what's happened over the last decade or so in the U.S. economy, you really have two, I think, fundamental drivers that are that are impacting the the ratio or the speed of entrepreneurship. One is, think of all the wealth that was lost in the 2008 recession, you know, the classic uh, source for capital for entrepreneurs. And I'm, when I say entrepreneurs, I'm speaking, you know, in the broadest sense is, you know, equity in their house or, or maybe they had access to, to debt, even if it was expensive debt with credit cards. Well, when we went through this huge shock uh, over the last five years or so, it had a direct impact on the ability for individuals to have resources to be able to go out and start something. Now ironically, of course, a lot of people lost their jobs as well. So you had then folks who were out of the workforce and were trying to figure out something new to do and maybe were, uh, were getting more involved in either entrepreneurship or what you know one might think of the freelance economy. So, you know, freelance 1099 employees are kind of going through the roof in fact. Recent studies have shared that 40% of the US workforce will be a freelancer or a 1099 employee by 2020. Wow. So, the workforce itself is going through a dramatic transformation. Then kind of the third piece is the baby boomers. And so we have, what, I think it's, uh, it's a huge number. I want to say it's like 11,000 baby boomers retiring every day out of the U.S. workforce. And it will be that way for the next 15 years. So while we've had this huge shock kind of in the, work, in the economy in 2008, people have lost their jobs. They've started to think. I think the U.S. economy is much, much more oriented around entrepreneurial thinking Uh, But that doesn't necessarily mean they're entrepreneurs, particularly since this final piece where we have huge amounts of the workforce leaving, and those jobs are opening up and people are jumping into those jobs. So, you know, just like everything uh, in the U.S. economy, it's complex. And I think those three different... Uh, kind of winds that are going on in the economy of what has made a direct impact on these numbers, and and I really believe that this is a short term scenario. I think we're going to go through another, you know, three to ten years where there's going to be a lot of folks entering the workforce, filling um, you know the jobs that the boomers are leaving, or at least a lot of the jobs that are boom that the boomers are leaving. But I agree with you that there's a huge wave of entrepreneurship that's going on. Whether it's you know I'm almost fifty, so. Whether it's folks in their 40s and certainly kids in university uh, and even coming out of high school are much, much more in tune to entrepreneurship. So I don't think this is certainly a long-term trend, but when you look at it from a macroeconomic point of view, it does kind of make sense that, uh, that you know, we are where we are.
1: All right. tangent alert um i this wasn't what i was thinking of asking but w- when i heard you talking it, it, it kind of hit me both jeff and i came out of the banking world and i remember in 1995 as a you know 29 year old uh, person so do the math i'm, I'm old now um the I was able to get bank loans. I mean I was able to get loans to buy a manufacturing business that's now in Mentor. I was able to get loans to do stuff, and, and I just don't think that that exists. I mean I, I, you know, no, Jeff and I are pretty stupid. Yeah. It's just not there anymore. Do you, are you yeah, seeing absolutely. that also? Oh,
4: no, absolutely. I mean you know, just the, the contraction of credit in every dimension, let alone the absence of home equity. I mean, the reality is for folks in their 30s and 40s over the last 40 years in the US economy, the, you, the equity in your home was something not only that you could lean on, uh, but you also could count on it being stable uh, or potentially, depending on your market that you're in, significantly growing. And for 95% of the US, you know, that evaporated uh, overnight. And so that's been a huge downward pressure uh towards entrepreneurship. Um and again, I think this freelance dimension, most folks in the US economy don't understand or appreciate the scale of uh the the the, the evolution that we're going through to the average worker. You know, that that such a huge percentage of US workers are going to be ten ninety nines are and are going to be. Yet, at the same time, I think that will actually, in many ways, accelerate entrepreneurship over time because people will have even more flexibility on where they work and how they work. Um, So I think that'll ultimately be a significant asset to entrepreneurs uh, in the U.S. economy because they'll have access to a broader range of talent on a more immediate basis than what we've traditionally had as entrepreneurs.
2: So, uh, Ray, let me just—I'm going to go down another tangent here. It, it, it's, so, take the capital out of the equation. Do you think it's easier today or harder today to become an entrepreneur than when you were an entrepreneur, you know, back in the late
4: '90s? Well, I think it's easier. Just um, intellectually, it's tremendously easier, uh, and you know, it's it's it's. It's impossible to talk about entrepreneurship in the absence of capital, you know, in the broadest sense. And it's certainly less expensive to be an entrepreneur and across many industries, not all industries, but many industries uh, today just because of the power of technology. Um, having said that, though, there's lots of other opportunities that are out there in the market. And at the end of the day, this really does come down to risk. And, um, for you know, an individual worker, I think we all appreciate, or most appreciate, there's a much higher level of risk um, as an entrepreneur. And you know, taking a job that you know pays a, a fair wage is is one way people can kind of recover economically to be able to then take more of an entrepreneurial leap over time. We've gone through this time period of what I call survival entrepreneurship. You know, because of the 2008 recession, people found themselves in more of an entrepreneurial role than what they've traditionally been in in their career and I think the irony is a lot of those people have caught a bug and maybe they don't have all the resources at the time because, you know, kids are getting ready to go to college or they have different obligations that they have to financially address. Um, so maybe they're going to take a job for some period of time. But I do believe the U.S. economy has fundamentally changed. You know, we might have to go back to like 1910, 1920 to a period of time uh, where there was this level of intensity around entrepreneurship. Um, and, I, we've you know, we've done that not only in the Midwest over the last 10, 15 years, but across the whole U.S. over the last five years. So I think the lessons learned and the experiences people have had over the last handful of years are going to create a whole new renaissance for entrepreneurs and for the U.S. economy uh, in the 2020s.
2: Yeah, I, I um I was listening to what you were saying, and I had some some comment here, and I've totally blanked. I kind of raised my hand and said, Brent, I got a question. I, I totally
1: well, lost." Then it. let me, then let me, then let me jump on okay, there. You the go, and then I go. Yeah, the two thousand eight, two thousand nine bandwagon. This is just me on my. I'm bitching, I'm going to bitch and moan here. I remember. I felt like I had my 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 capital pretty well squared away in 2008 2009 i had wide open lines of credit that i had established and there's nothing like getting those uh those phone you know when the world's kind of crumbling at eight and nine getting those phone calls from the banks saying that they no longer want to honor the lines of credit and i just i just right. it's just kind of laughing because that 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 was really the time frame where that became no longer available to the small business owner and uh um it looks like just back he's got his finger no, right. I, and, I, so, uh, I, let
4: me say to that point i mean we're still in some dimensions still there I mean, we're still in a scenario where the box in the banks is tighter. You know, there's more regulation. There's certainly many more eyeballs on the level of risk that the traditional commercial lenders are taking. And so, you know, we haven't anywhere near worked our way out of that scenario yet
1: in in those sub 10 million dollar uh, revenue businesses um you know or you know or sub 5 million dollars of borrowings they're still in that you know that kind of business banking small and i don't want this to be a bank bitch session but it's changed and, and, and there, for a reason right i mean you know they've got regulators right. they've got they've got reasons to do that but it's uh it's not the uh it's not the it's not 1995 anymore best i can tell
4: No, but at the same time, then that plays directly into the benefits of what you guys do. I mean, the expertise and the alternative banking sources now are going through the roof. Um, And the entrepreneurs, uh, there's many entrepreneurs out there on the access to capital side that have figured out, hey, there's ways to really unlock the growth of these businesses. And they're filling a good portion of the gap, but certainly not all of it.
2: When the the question I was going to ask earlier, and, and neither, and this is really to both you guys, the when somebody turns to entrepreneurship as opposed to you know look out there looking for a job, how does that represented in the employment statistics? Because they keep saying employment's going down as whatever it is six percent today, but it feels a lot higher than that. Uh, and are they not representing uh, entrepreneurs in the numbers that way?
4: Well, I think the unemployment numbers are going down principally because there's a lot less folks who haven't reentered the workforce. So, you know, I think if you took the fully encapsulated, both unemployed and folks not pursuing a job, you know, you're probably, at least in Ohio, you're probably more in the 85 to 9% range. Um, having said that, you know, I think the other dimension with entrepreneurship, and I know we're all so close to it and we work on it every day, and Jumpstart, in particular, my organization is very, very focused on early-stage tech companies. You know, it takes a long time for a tech company to employ 50 people. Uh, The vast majority of the tech companies that are out there, you know, companies that are founded by one or two people, you know, you're talking about probably an average of four to six years for those companies to get to the place where they can employ 50 people, and so when you're in a, when you're in portions of the U.S. economy, and Ohio is a good example of this, where we had been significantly underperforming with startups and underperforming uh, vis-a-vis the country in terms of small businesses scaling up, we're you know there's a lag effect, and um, and it does take longer for these businesses to grow jobs as opposed to what might have happened uh, up until the early 90s, where you had large Companies either moving business units to certain parts of the country and, and you have uh, much more abundant and quicker job growth. So, again, I think this is a you know, we're in kind of a slow boil. Um, certain parts of the country, obviously, the teapot is whistling. Ohio's come a long, long, long way, as has many other long places. Way. Uh, yeah. In the uh, in the upper Midwest, let alone the middle part of the country. And, you know, I'm very bullish on the economy uh, in the U.S. economy because of all these dimensions. But there's a lot of things that are still kind of under the radar. We're not fully seeing the benefits of the hard work that's been done over the last decade quite yet.
2: So Ray, here's a great time for you to do a quick advertisement about JumpStart, uh, and every, our listeners can find it at www.jumpstartinc.org, uh, and just tell people kind of the genesis of JumpStart and and kind of your accomplishments and and all the initiatives that you're trying to do. And I would certainly recommend people go to the website because it is a resource, uh, you know, for early stage businesses, and this ecosystem uh, is is very evident as you go to the homepage. But, Ray, why don't you give us a quick uh, description of of, uh, Jumpstart?
4: Sure. So we're a nonprofit organization that does have some for-profit subsidiaries. So we have investment funds and activities that are for-profit. But the corpus was created as a nonprofit 10 years ago by the business community, uh, the philanthropic community that really cared about the economic future of Cleveland and Northeast Ohio. And then we've also built really robust partnerships, both with uh, the state of Ohio through through something called the Ohio Third Frontier, as well as some federal agencies uh, and some certainly for-profit companies. So we were created before TechStars, before Y Combinator, before these accelerators that have that I know you did a session on uh, last week. We were created in 2004 to dramatically stimulate the understanding and the potential progress of brand new. Not ready for prime time, technology startup companies in Northern Ohio, and uh, we were created with that original focus because we were underperforming, materially underperforming, in uh, in this part of the country, and we knew that we needed to start. Uh, dramatically increasing the velocity of giving first-time tech entrepreneurs an opportunity to not only understand the fundamentals of what they need to do. Jumpstart was investing in the early days an average of three to 400000 in these early-stage tech companies to kind of get them off the ground. And then we'd take a serial entrepreneur who worked full-time for Jumpstart, and we'd put that person alongside that founding team for, you know, one to two days a week over the course of a year or two at no cost to really help... The capital was removing the financial risk of the business, the technology risk. Uh, the person was helping remove the business risk and you know, basically helping tee up a whole bunch of companies. So to date, we've invested with our original fund in 78 technology startup companies, all located in Northern Ohio. Those companies have now gone on to uh, employ uh, in total employment about 7,000 folks uh, in Cleveland and Northeast Ohio um, and have raised about a billion million and a half in private capital after the money. We invested about $29 million into those 78 companies. um, And those companies now have raised a huge, you know, material amount of private capital. And we've had 10 exits out of that so far. I mean, our average company is maybe five years old in the portfolio. Uh, So that was Jumpstart's founding, and so it was really very much focused on the tech startup piece. Starting in 2007, we also then began, we were asked to build out kind of the entire ecosystem or play a role to help build out the ecosystem. So there was lots of players and actors, incubators, accelerators, uh, commercialization centers in northeast Ohio, and the state of Ohio and other funders came to us and said, hey, is there a way that – you could help us kind of connect the dots between all these entities and try to raise the outcomes, collective outcomes of all those uh, organizations. So we've done that since 2007 in addition to the original work. And then starting in 2009, we began to work in other regions across the country. And in the original work that we've done there it was to bring together leadership of organizations or leadership in communities across the country and helping them think about what they could do to stimulate the growth of not only early stage tech companies, but also small companies, what you know we would call kind of pre-private equity. So companies that had a huge opportunity to grow, but were stuck for some reason, whether it was capital or talent or certain skill sets the companies were lacking. So we've now worked in 20 regions across the country with leadership there and kind of bringing not only the ability to, to set a strategic framework to help people think about it, but then think of our work in Ohio is a laboratory, so we've got, you know, we've made every mistake you could potentially make. While we've invested in 78 companies, we've helped over 4,000 companies uh, mentoring and coaching in Northeast Ohio over the last uh, 10 years. And then the final piece, we're in the process now of launching a new for-profit fund, so it's a pure Series A venture fund. We're also launching a $10 million loan fund that'll be making um, higher-risk loans, so for companies that can't maybe bank a growth. Strategy and this is all debt as opposed to equity on the loan fund, and then also launching a whole set of services focused on these small companies, maybe between five and 100 employees, revenues from 500,000 to maybe 20 million that are stuck and can't really figure out a way to unlock their growth. We're going to be expanding into that area of activity in Ohio. So it's really been an evolution of uh, you know trying to figure out what are what's the technical assistance and the access to capital that can help 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 unlock the growth of businesses and make uh, Ohio a better place to live and work.
2: Ray, thank you. You guys have such a long, wonderful, accomplished history. To get it done as quickly as you did is impressive. (laughs) But with that, we're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we're actually going to talk about the post uh, on LinkedIn that that Ray had posted in September that uh, is going to answer the question that he has asked every place he goes. Thanks for tuning in to The Second Stage.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time,
3: 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup Captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting.
4: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go. On iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to The Second Stage at EvolutionCP.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson.
2: Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. This is our show, but it is a forum, so we're looking for input from you. So we can benefit from everyone's experience. Uh, Please uh, contact us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com or uh, you can blog at uh, evolutioncp.com. We are back with our guest, Ray Leach, founder and CEO of Jumpstart. And you can find his organization at www.jumpstartinc.org. We uh, kind of finished off the last segment uh, talking about all the accomplishments of your organization, which certainly qualifies you to, you know, make the posting that you did that we uh, 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 want to talk about in this segment, which was, uh, you know, the the question I am asked every place I go, and I assume you have an answer to that question. <laughs>
4: yeah, absolutely. You know, the as we talked a little bit in the first uh, section of the conversation today. Um, there's entrepreneurs falling. We've talked a little bit about kind of the macroeconomic side, but, you know, there's also a huge cultural side to why entrepreneurship um, isn't necessarily uh, embraced or understood uh, or, uh, you know, pursued as vigorously as uh, in places like Ohio, as it is in many other uh, places. And so much of it is, you know, kind of when you think about it, ultimately, and especially if you're being asked to solve for it, it's kind of common sense. So, you know, one of, there's five things that are really called out in the article that are the most, some of the most important things to see uh, happening in your community that will encourage entrepreneurship. First are the entrepreneurs themselves, local entrepreneurs. So individuals out there in communities, in cities, in places that demonstrate, you know, this can be done. Um, that, you know, you don't have to be a job taker. You can have a big idea, you can have a a well-executed plan and go out and make it happen. And the easiest way for people to believe that is to see it. And, you know, just as a quick little anecdote, I mean, if you think about a place, like, again, I'm from Northeast Ohio, which has been a large company and manufacturing-driven economy for for the majority of the last century. You know, if you grew up in a place... Like, I I grew up in Akron, actually, so if you grew up in a place like Akron, you had, what, we had at the time when I was growing up, we had 12 uh, Fortune 1000 manufacturing companies in our town, and if you graduated from high school or you went to college, and if you went to college, either way, you could go get a job at any one of those companies and not have to take any risk. So it was just, in huge portions of our country, that's what it's been for the last three, four generations. So this idea of seeing entrepreneurs in your community and watching them, watching their businesses grow, and then, of course, most importantly, kind of segueing into the number two primary driver is mentors. You know, first-time entrepreneurs. I know when I was a first-time entrepreneur... Starting in 1988, I didn't have any entrepreneurs in my family. I didn't know what a board of directors was. I didn't know exactly what I was doing. I had a partner, thank goodness, who uh, we helped each other out uh, trying to figure it out together. But local entrepreneurs um, of all types make the best mentors. And if you're in an environment where there aren't a lot of serially successful, successful entrepreneurs out there, then you're also in an environment where you don't have many mentors. And we're seeing mentors having a massive impact, not only in our work in Ohio, but all across the country. There's, you know, Techstars, Y Combinator, you know, kind of models are certainly heavily reliant on mentors and and entrepreneurial experts. And so we need to see kind of a whole new generation uh, or a whole new contingency an army of mentors out there interested in helping, particularly first-time entrepreneurs who, who uh, you know, are facing these issues and challenges for the first time, Particularly in the earliest days, because as you guys know, as a company grows, whether it's with their banker or whether it's with their investor or their service providers, you know, those organizations end up playing huge, super high-value roles to businesses when they're a little bit more mature. But when you're in the earliest days, you don't have ready access. You're not paying for access to that kind of talent. So this volunteer mentoring piece um, is so important. The third angle that I talked about in the article was investors and what I call support organizations in in the article. But basically, think of those like a jump start or even like a score. You know, there's certain chapters of SCORE uh, as part of the SBA that are incredibly strong across uh, across the country. But so whether it's you know crowdfunding, which obviously has transformed really early stage for profit and social entrepreneurship, uh, angel investors organizations like JumpStart and one of the things that I'm one of the most proud of of our work in JumpStart isn't so much what we've done as it is we were able to provide an example to other entities in Ohio and outside Ohio that you can make investments in these kinds of companies and generate not only financial returns but significant economic development, job creation, tech commercialization, you know, conversion of students into new jobs. Um, so we've been able to kind of serve as a role model that these kinds of investment activities can have huge benefits. And then, of course, also support organizations more broadly. So another thing that Jumpstart's excited about is we've helped to create kind of a whole new class of economic development organization across the United States that are called Venture Development Organizations. So most of your listeners probably know what venture capital is, and they may know what an economic development organization is, maybe like a chamber of commerce or a port authority. Well, Organizations like Jumpstart are actually a hybrid. You know, they they have the skill sets and the disciplines and the priorities of venture capital and the understanding of venture capital, but they're not in it solely for the cash on cash return. They're also in it, and many of these are nonprofits, are in to actually create jobs and create economic opportunities. So Jumpstart's been involved in in helping create over twenty different venture development organizations across the United States, some of which are, you know, trying to to mirror exactly what Jumpstart does or principally what we do. And other venture development organizations are focused on different kinds of companies, whether it's retail or maybe in the food space or ed tech exclusively. Um, The fourth piece I talk about in the article, which, you know, gets easily overlooked but does interconnect with all these things is people have to be able to tell their story. Because if you're a great entrepreneur, or you're whether you're an active entrepreneur now, or were an entrepreneur before, and now want to be a mentor, the way these stories resonate with you know present day entrepreneurs and the stakeholders of the economy is through stories. So I think we've had an underappreciation kind of in the B two B world. Uh, certainly, in the economic development world around the importance of how storytelling and you know what you could also call it kind of marketing in the, in the blandest sense, but storytelling about how these entrepreneur uh, an individual entrepreneur and the partners that they 've worked with in their community, whether it 's a university uh, an, an investor, a support organization that you know there 's roles for everybody to play, and if those organizations can come together or those different entities can come together to help the entrepreneur, there's a heck of a story to be told. And those stories provide incentives to get people kind of off the couch and into the entrepreneurial game. And then the fifth thing I called out was educational institutions. And now, you know, entrepreneurship in the educational environment is pervasive. I mean, there isn't – so Jumpstart runs a uh, higher ed advisory council with 23 institutions of higher education in Ohio, and every single one of them has an entrepreneurial program. Every sing- Actually, most of them have multiple entrepreneurial programs. So the role that education institutions, not just in the higher ed, but, of course, now it's very much in many places in the high schools, um, it's kind of like junior achievement on steroids now because, yes, JA is still there. They're still doing a great job from the middle schools up. But there's a whole lot more players that are engaged and involved in helping people uh, understand what it takes to think as an entrepreneur, let alone be an entrepreneur. So. I wanted to call out these five elements because if you can highlight, connect, and strengthen those elements uh, in your community and in your region, you're going to be able to see, you're going to see not only more entrepreneurs, but a lot more entrepreneurial outcomes. It is, you know, it takes a village. You know, entrepreneurship, as we all know, uh, if, if you are one, is a lonely business. And if you can build a community of entrepreneurs, supporting entrepreneurs, connecting the dots of, uh, these different uh, support services and, and financial dollars, that's where the magic really happens. And I'm pleased to say we've been able to create or be part of creating that environment in Ohio over the last 10 years.
1: Well, is it, you and I talked about during break? I mean, those five uh, things really struck a chord with me. Thinking back of you know when I first started and sitting in my uh, apartment, you know, kind of launching launching the business, and then obviously you know getting getting introduced to EO, getting introduced to other mentors, and I think back to the mentors and mentors of, of my life and how they've, you know, they've really just kind of, you know, almost, you know, kind of show you how to do this stuff. And if you're a, an entrepreneur out, out there listening, I mean, re, re, where do you find a, a good mentor? I mean, where do you, how do how, where do you start, where do you start finding that person?
4: Well, I think first, you know, if you have a uh, if you have an industry focus, I always think, you know, if your particular company is in a certain sector, um, I think it's always helpful to try to understand and get a sense of, you know, who are the smartest people in your community. Uh, That you know, you know, for things like Google, it's certainly a lot easier to get a better sense of that. And then, you know, you could reach out to, uh, you know, chambers of commerce or to business leaders uh, who are likely to have a relationship with that person. Of course, you could try to track them down on LinkedIn and that kind of thing. But I've always found it to be better to to find somebody who's in the business, whether it's on a non-profit or a for-profit basis, to be a connector. What I find so interesting is how, you know, there's a huge interest and passion, probably more now than ever before in business people, I think helping or particularly entrepreneurs helping other entrepreneurs um, and I know EO uh, and YPO has had a long-standing history and tradition in that, but that hasn't been pervasive, and that's an exclusive club. Um, but yeah. with the evolution of what's gone on, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, things like uh, Shark Tank even, that it's in the cultural, um, you know, mainstream that the coaching that the investors in Shark Tank provide to these companies is actually more value a lot more value than the money. So, so I think, you know, do you use some uh, guerrilla tactics to try to figure out how to get to the, to the right people? And, of course, if you're in a place uh, like Ohio, there's organizations like Jumpstart all across the Ohio and more and more so across the country. You know, go on the web and search out those uh, economic development or venture development organizations who, you know, it's our job to connect people uh, to mentors. And we have a formal mentor program here that's pro bono and free, but we're also connected to a lot of individuals in the community who are open to mentoring companies that aren't necessarily part of our formal program.
1: It's just, we, you know, I think Jeff and I frequently say to entrepreneurs, you know, if, if you think about contacting somebody, reach out to them and be sincere, know why you're calling, and almost all of them are, are willing to help in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, it, it, we frequently say, to, you know, it, it, you know, we've we've never regretted reaching out to somebody in some way, shape, or form. Hey, uh, I want to move on to another question. Kind of changing gears a little bit. You know, there's a, you know there's a lot written now about purpose capital, social capital, conscious capital. H- how have you seen that change in the last ten, fifteen years? And and you know, what does it mean to jumpstart in the, in the companies you guys are working with, if anything? Okay.
4: Well, and it's really going to, it's just beginning, I think, to have a transformative effect. I just finished um, reading an article uh, in um, a, a magazine called The Chronicle of Philanthropy. So you've got all this huge amount of wealth that is sitting in private foundations, and it's just 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 beginning to figure out how to get involved in, you know, what they call social impact investing. Um, Jumpstart, so what's interesting is 10 years ago, Jumpstart's corpus in partnership with the state of Ohio's Third Frontier Program and philanthropy, both corporate and private philanthropy in Northeast Ohio, helped us actually to build this fund, uh, this 30 uh, million dollar fund that ended up allowing us to uh, take in charity uh through uh our uh an arrangement or basically our our 501c3 uh, uh letter with the IRS that allowed us to invest in companies that the private sector would absolutely not invest in at the time we were investing because these companies could have you know, we believe these companies could have a disproportionate impact on alleviating poverty and creating economic opportunities and jobs, which they've done. So in some ways, Jumpstart, and there's other organizations across the country that have been have been doing that for more than 10 years, but I see a huge wave of capital that's going to be coming into this space, supporting a wide range of companies. Um, there's even now what are called... Uh, uh, B companies, so they're companies that are for profit, but are going to have the ability to be supported by foundations and by charitable gifts. So they're not they're not a nonprofit, but they're also not a pure traditional for profit uh, from an IRS point of view. So I'd say we're like you know we're in the pioneer days of social impact investing. And I think it'll be one of the most significant areas of growth, or probably will be the most significant area of growth uh, over the next 20 years. And so entrepreneurs... Uh, should, particularly if they're trying to solve something that relates to a major social challenge or issue, whether that's education. I mean, we can, you know, there's handfuls, whether it's, you know, uh, feeding the poor. Um, and you want to do it in a for-profit structure, um, but you want to have the benefits of being able to access capital that might be coming from very large foundations that are interested in using market mechanisms to solve some of these largest social problems. So, I think it's a, a huge area of growth and something that uh, that your listeners should keep on top of.
2: We want to thank our guest, Ray Leach, founder and CEO of Jumpstart, Inc., for being on our show. Ray, thank you very much for your time and insight again. I thought your article was outstanding, and all the things that you all are doing over there at Jumpstart is also outstanding. I think your record speaks for itself. So thanks for being on the show, and we will be back for final thoughts on this topic. Thanks for tuning in to the second stage.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
3: This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry, Assurance, Tax, Consulting.
0: Game changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up your status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time for our special series on the future of business. Learn how you can become the transformational leader who takes your company across the finish line as you look ahead to the next breakthrough wave of innovation. The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel.
1: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, Call in to one 866 472 5790 That's one 866 472 5790 Or send an email to the second stage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson.
2: Welcome back to the second stage. This is Jeff Cadlick, and I've got my partner, Brendan Anderson here with me as well. Thanks for tuning in uh, to our show about small business best practices. We just concluded the last segment with Ray Leach, founder and CEO of jumpstart Inc. You can find out more about jumpstart at www.jumpstartinc.org. And uh, Brendan, you know, as always Ray's on his game. This is something he's passionate about and, um, you know all the things he ticked off about JumpStart's accomplishments in terms of uh, you know seventy eight investments, twenty nine million dollars invested in those businesses, ten exits, uh, seven thousand people employed, that sort of thing. Th- those are impressive numbers.
1: You no, know, absolutely, and obviously uh, Ray knows his stuff, and he's been in the you know in the, in the middle of this for you know quite some time, and you know obviously uh, really kind of been driving this kind of uh, Ohio development of, of this uh, train of thought and so forth. You know, it's interesting. Um, you know, when I when they first uh, got going, Jeff, you know, and I was around and um, was frustrated at the uh, you know kind of w- what they were spending their time and money on. And now, you know, all these years later, I think there was probably a bigger thought, you know, that they've really been able to make a you know kind of almost a, a mental you know kind of self esteem change to some of the entrepreneur thought around around not only Cleveland but he also mentioned that they've been able to. To launch some other, uh, you know, some other organizations similar to them around the country, and you know, it really is a train of thought, right? It's, it's, you know, kind of you know the belief that you can get where you're going, the belief that there's the resources there, even when you know, as entrepreneurs, there, there may not be, right? Because the definition of entrepreneurship is uh, getting where you're going without the resources necessary to do so, or some or something like that. But uh, no, very very impressive.
2: Yeah. Well I was I was glad that you said that because I think that is probably look they've done a lot but I feel like their most profound um um uh, you know co- contribution to this region has been the can do attitude you can do this and we're here for you as a resource uh and this whole and the other thing, uh, in addition to that can do attitude is really this idea that we've had here at evolution since inception is it's not just capital, capital's critical, but it's also the mentoring piece that goes along with it. That together is the formula for success and that kind of, you know, there have that, I guess, public private partnership. I don't know if I describe it that way, but, um, uh, you know, they, they apply the mentoring that economic development programs lack, which tend to be more purely capital focused. This is applying, you know, uh, more to that. And I think that's why it's been successful.
1: Yeah, and I agree. And I, you know, again, it's I know it's not all about me, Jeff, but the, I just have this little reference of my life and that sort of thing. So, you know, I think about when I started in 1995 and I like to say that a lot because it just sounds so
2: darn long ago. Doesn't it,
1: Jeff? 1995.
2: It does. It does. And, and you, you look like you have some miles on you, too.
1: Yeah, dude. I think I got lots of miles. I think it's like whatever. But um, I think about when I started and, and it was it was, uh, I, you know, I frequently felt that, that that I couldn't have started my business in in Ohio uh, without having lived in Illinois. And now I feel like for the first time that that there, that, that mindset has shifted and, and Ohio is not a bad spot. So um, I, that's a
2: big shift. Well, big have, shift. yeah, it is a big shift. I think that's a great observation. And I think what you're talking about is power for possibilities, which is what we're all about here on the the second Passion stage. Passion for possibilities, baby. Passion for possibilities. We hope you've enjoyed today's show. Join us again next Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern on The Second Stage. Uh, thanks for tuning in and uh, have Passion for Possibilities, folks.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to The Second Stage. Please join Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson again next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a successful week.